Please send in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. We are going to be concluding this chapter today, hopefully. Um, <laughs> we were towards the end of verse 9 last week, and I didn't really want to rush it because um, what I wanted to talk to you about was too important to rush. Um, it, it was just, it, it needs to be a revelation more than information. Do you understand? And uh, if you get that revelation, then it will really bless you and it will put you in a really good place, not only with God, but in your prayer life as well, how you pray. You know, there's a lot of people that have a good relationship with God, but, you know, they, 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 their prayers are a whole different matter. You know, they love God and they say, oh God, I'm so unworthy and I love you, but I'm so useless. You know, and God can't work with useless. God didn't create useless. Amen. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. We're not, re, you know, uh, we, didn't, we didn't just get an upgrade. We became new creations. Something brand new that never existed before, the Bible says, when it talks about that scripture. But, and that's really, and it's not a but, but that's really what I want to focus on today. And finish off this chapter. This chapter only has ten verses. You, you might be thinking, dear Lord, it took us this long to get through 10 verses. <laughs> how many chapters are there? <laughs> and how many verses in each chapter? The next chapter is a lot longer. Uh, but I pray that we'll get through it a lot quicker. Um, this one deals with some very specific, very important things. Uh, and things that we must not rush through. So, having said all that, let's go. Let's begin. I was going to say go back to but let's begin in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. Where he says again, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now we talked about the first two sections here, that we are to confess our sins and that we need to agree what sin is. Amen. That we need to agree with God because a lot of people today don't agree with God <laughs> about what sin is. Uh, you know, and they think that if they decide that it's not sin, then it's not sin. That's exactly what the Apostle John is talking about. Remember all of this began with God is light. If we walk in darkness, He can't be a part of that. And the thing is, we can't take our darkness into the light. Because as soon as you take darkness into the light, it lights it up. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay, so we either leave the darkness and go into the light. Or us trying to hang on to the darkness will push us out of the light. Because we're hanging on to the thing that is being pushed out. Did you all get that? Okay. So, and that means that we are not really having fellowship because that was the next thing we got to. And we, you know, where people say we're having fellowship and continual fellowship with God, but they're walking in darkness. Well, you can't do that. You can't walk in darkness. So then we went on to talk about what some of that darkness is. Some of that darkness includes us saying that we, we you know, we have not sinned or we don't have the capacity to sin. We all know that's not true. No. <laughs> okay, yeah. all right. Somehow, some way. Now, that's what we're talking about today. And the, the Apostle John is saying, look, if we confess or acknowledge when we sin, when we do something wrong, instead of trying to hide it, instead of trying to uh, justify it, if we say, okay, you know what, that was wrong. Regardless of who was in the wrong, the thing was wrong. Do you understand? So even if somebody else enticed an argument or, or, or got me to get into strife by what they were saying, 
The thing was, I shouldn't have gone into strife. Do you, you, you know what I'm trying to say here? So whether you started it, whether somebody else started it, it doesn't matter. The thing is that if you went down a track that you shouldn't have gone, then apologize for that. Okay, acknowledge it as a sin and get rid of it. And this is what he's saying. If you do that, once you make the decision and say, you know what, regardless of who was right or wrong, that the situation was wrong, I shouldn't have been in that, in that position, and, and done, not in that position, but done those things. Amen? And once you say that, then God says, okay, He is faithful and just. Remember again the two things that we talked about last week, that God is faithful, so you can trust Him to forgive you of your sin. You can trust Him if, he asks, if you ask Him that He's not going to turn His back on you. Amen? That He is faithful, but also remember the justice of God demands that He forgive you because Jesus went to the cross. Amen. So, you know, that's, that was the other thing that you needed to know and that needed to be really something very solid in your heart and your mind. And that is that somebody paid the price for you. You don't go there with, you know, in your own merits and say, now God, I've been good all week. <laughs> okay, so can you forgive me of my sin for last week? We tend to do that, you know, we try to counterbalance, you know, uh, uh, what we did the previous week with all the good we do the next week. And then hopefully God will forgive us and He'll be going, okay, okay, that, you know, all the good you did this week counteracts all the bad. It doesn't work that way. Like somebody once said, you know, they, they used this illustration to demonstrate this. They took a, a glass of water and they took, they said, let's, let's, um, Say that this bit of paint, it was black paint, is sin. Alright? And they said, alright, let's... The, the, actually, they half filled the glass. And they said, let's put a drop of this black paint in the glass. And so, the paint discolored the water. You all can see what, where this is going, right? And they said, okay, now let's... There's a jug of water here. These are all the good works you can do. So let's try to now you know, uh, counteract what we did here with a lot of good works. And they started pouring water into the glass. And no matter how much they filled the glass, it was never white again. Do you get it? That's the problem. Once it gets in there, it's in there. No matter how much good you do, it's still in there. Okay? So what you need is a forgiveness, a chemical reaction. <laughs> okay? You need something to take away all the black. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? And you need it to change color. You don't need to add more water. You need the thing to change back clear. You're getting this now. And so when you ask for forgiveness, that is what you're doing. See, that's why you need to receive forgiveness. Because it, it takes out everything in there that's discoloring you. That's causing that sin nature to be on you. And causing failure to come into your life as a result. Because it always will. Sin always does that. You, you know, we don't realize it, but it affects the way we think, it affects the way we feel, it affects how high we reach. Because it is all dependent on how do we feel about ourselves. You know, so much of the time I've prayed for people when they're going for jobs, and they'll say, well, the best I can do is here. Me, I'm praying for up here somewhere. And they'll, you know, if they agree with me, I just say, just stay with me, agree with me, you'll get there. And they get and think, oh, I didn't think I could get that. I'm actually thinking specifically of this person a couple of years back, you know, that came up and they were going for something and they said, oh, we, we don't think we can do this. You know, I don't think I can do this. And I said, what do you want? <laughs> I said, forget what you, what you think you can do. What do you want? And he said, well, I want, you know, this position would be awesome. I said, let's pray for that then, shall we? 
Long story short, he got it. And he was just, wow. Praise God. Now, do you know what? That's what God wanted for him. But so much of the time, because of this sin nature and this sin consciousness, do you understand when I say sin consciousness? You are conscious of your sin. You are conscious of you know, something in you that you think you don't deserve anything more than this. Do you get that? And that consciousness keeps saying, no, you don't deserve anything more than that. God's not going to bless you any further than that. That needs to be taken out. Because God is saying, no, I want to bless you up here, but you keep saying no. Amen. He's faithful and just. So when you go in, you don't go in based on how good you are. You go in based on the cross. Jesus, you died. You paid the price. See, this is why the cross of Christ is so important. And you need to say, because you paid the price, then I have the right to walk in this blessing of being sinless before you. How do I know that? This is the last part of the verse. Now you can see why I didn't want to just rush through it. Okay, last week. So let's get on to this. What does it mean when he says... When it says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Alright. In his commentary, Simon J. Kissimaka writes, The first verb, to forgive, describes the act of cancelling a debt. The second verb, to cleanse, refers to making the forgiven sinner holy by removing the defilement which sin produced. Remember the black? Okay, thereby removing the impediment to fellowship with God, so that he is once again able to have fellowship with God. Now, did you get all of that? Do you want me to? <laughs> I'll break it down. Okay, <laughs> I won't break that, I'll break it down for you. Okay, so, <laughs> okay. all right. <clears throat> so, the first thing is to forgive. Remember, he says he'll forgive you and cleanse you. What is that forgiveness? It is canceling the debt. You owe. Whenever you sin, you owe. See, that's the problem. Whenever you sin, you have this thing like you owe something. Do you get it? And that's, that's what people carry around with them. And what you need to understand is that He is faithful and just to forgive, which means He cancels that debt. Might be small, might be huge. <laughs> okay? And so you need to understand that when you receive that forgiveness, see, this is why we need to receive it. Okay? You need to understand that no matter how you feel. Now, allow your feelings to stop you from doing it again. But don't allow your feelings to stop you from being blessed by God. Regardless of what you did. Okay? Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? See, sometimes people carry their stuff around with them all of their life. We call it baggage. Sometimes it's excess baggage. Okay, as I, you know, have you ever, you know, okay, yeah, I won't go there. I was starting to do a family thing, but let's not go there. Okay, it's a lot of baggage. You carry that stuff around. And Jesus Christ has already paid the price. God, when you ask Him to forgive you, cancels the debt. Do you understand? All the baggage is taken. You're walking around with empty cases. There's nothing in them. You just, it's just that you did it. 
The, the, see, this is where the, the enemy will fight you the hardest and you need to understand this. You need to get this revelation. It's in your mind. That's what the Apostle Paul says in Romans. By the renewing of your mind, you're going to be transformed. That's why he says, if you don't renew your mind, you're conforming to this world. The wor- this is how the world behaves. This is, you know, they do something wrong, they have to pay for it. You know, and, and, and the world has systems where you pay for it. Different ways. Do you understand? Alright? But the thing is with God, when He forgives, see, this is the whole thing. The debt has been paid by somebody else. Let's take an extreme case. Okay? Can I just... If I did something wrong, and I'm not thinking about anybody right now, so please don't think, oh, that's about me. Okay? <laughs> don't go there. Don't go there. Please take the illustration without okay, going there. Alright. <laughs> Say I, I did something wrong. Something so bad that, you know... Say it was a moment where, you know, I just dropped off. You know how some people are really sleepy? And, you know, they, they call them micro-sleeps. Okay? I've heard some really sad stories with that. But, um, let's say that, you know, I had one of those moments. And I ran into someone. And the law says, you know what? I don't know if it's called manslaughter or whatever. But, so the person died, okay? It's a very terrible story. But I need to get something across to you. And so, the, you know, they say, right... You need to go to jail for this. Alright? Now let's say that system of justice allows somebody else to go to jail for you. If there was somebody like that. Not that we'd ever find anybody like that. Okay? <laughs> but let's say that allowed that. And somebody stepped up. And they said, what's your name? Oh, my name is Jesus. Oh, okay. What are you here for? Well, I'm going to take his penalty. So how long is he meant to go to jail for? Okay, he's meant to go to jail for 12 years. I'll go to jail for 12 years. Now, let me ask you a question. Should both of them go to jail for 12 years? You see, even in your mind, you can rationalize. You can work that one out. If Jesus is going to jail for 12 years for you, why should you be in jail for 12 years? Did you get that? That's the cross. Everything that you could ever do that needs to be paid for was taken care of on the cross. All the years that you might be going to prison was taken care of on the cross. All the guilt that you were feeling was taken care of on the cross. Everything that you would have to pay, whatever debt, get it? Whatever debt that you have to pay because of something you've done wrong was paid for at the cross. And so your debt gets cancelled because somebody else paid for it. Now do you understand? Alright? That's why when he says that he will forgive you and then go on to cleanse you. We'll talk about the cleansing because the forgiveness takes away the debt. The cleansing prepares you to go into the presence of God. Who is holy, who is righteous, who is light. And you can't bring anything bad into that light. Do you get this? So whenever you go into that light, once you ask for forgiveness, you don't go as you know some old sinner. You go in perfect. Now can you see how that will affect your prayers? Did you get that? Because you're not going in there and you're not praying according to your righteousness. 
with our filthy, which the Bible says are filthy rags. You're going in with His righteousness, which is absolutely perfect. Amen? Think that will change a few things in your life? I think so. And then suddenly you'll begin to think, hmm, if that's the case, and it is, <laughs> okay, then not even the sky is the limit. I can keep going. Amen? And see, once you do that, what happens? Then we hit, then we hit Mark eleven twenty three. If you say to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but we believe those things that you say will come to pass, you will have what you say. End of story. Boom. And then the next thing he goes and says, and when you stand pray, See? First you need to forgive. Okay, but the other thing is that, he's, but, but the thing is, you need to understand that whatever you pray is the same way. Your saying and your praying are the same thing at the end of the day. Everything you say, in a sense, should be a prayer. Without getting religious. Do you understand? Every declaration that you make out of your mouth needs to be a word that goes forth that does not return void, but accomplishes what it was sent to do. Because it's God's word going out of your mouth. And it says, God will watch over His word to perform it. Get it? Okay. Alright. So, let's continue. <laughs> I'm only halfway through this. Alright. Remember, it's the second thing. The verb to cleanse refers to making the forgiven sinner holy by removing the defilement which sin produced. Alright? So, what happens next is that you are made holy. You don't earn holy. <laughs> okay? Please get rid of that thinking from now on. You don't have to earn holy. You are made holy. Get it? That's the only way you're ever going to become holy. I don't care how nice you are. But you don't know how... No. <laughs> okay? See, that in itself is a problem. <laughs> okay? Right. Get it? Okay? Regardless... You need to understand, no matter how good you think you are, no matter how bad you think you are, regardless of where on the scale you are, you won't make the grade. But God will make you holy and make you able to make the grade. Further to this, I. Howard Marshall says that purification signifies, and this is what happens when you are cleansed, the cleansing, okay? Alright? When you are cleansed, you are purified. Do you understand now? Okay? It leads to a purification. Then that purification signifies the removal, not only of the guilt, but also of the power of sin in the human heart. Which is why you can then speak to mountains and they'll move. Because there's nothing there stopping you. The big problem that we have... Let me take a moment. The big problem that we have in our life isn't that we don't know enough. We have a guilt problem. We think we don't deserve all of it. That's it. God says, all of this is mine. And you go, no, I can't. Now, there are some things that if you're not comfortable with, okay, from a lavish point of view, that's not what I'm talking about. Do you get me? Because some people have taken it that way and become very lavish in their lifestyle. And they want to say, well, God lives in this place 
Sweetheart, the place that God lives, there are no poor people. Here's the revelation. The place where God lives, there's no need up there. That's why he can live that way. And that's why he said that whatever you ask, you can have, so that you can take care of all the needs down here. Not all your lusts, but all the needs. You know, you can lust after money, you can lust after things. And he's saying, can you stop doing that? I've got, I'm, I'm letting you know I've got all of this, not so that you go, oh, I want to live like that too, and just be... No, 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 that's not the, whole, that's not the reason. Because while Jesus was down here, he kept giving. All the time. That's why even when Judas went out to betray him, they thought, the Bible says, they thought he was going out to give money to the poor. Dude was stealing. <laughs> okay? And then, you know, who knows if he's trying to replace the money in the bag that he's, I don't know, okay, what, what all was behind what he did. But the thing was, obviously he reg- regretted it because he went and hung himself. He wasn't having a party. Okay? Okay. All right. But the thing is that we need to understand that everything that we have need of has been paid for. It's all there. God wants us to have it. And the, the, whole, the whole point of us having it. And see, we need to get to that place where we understand that we can reach for anything. And we shouldn't, listen, we shouldn't limit ourselves. Now, the only limitation, listen to me very carefully... This is the one thing that I'll say to you. The only limitation is wisdom. If you don't think you're smart enough to handle something, don't ask for it. Wait till you are. Ask for wisdom instead. Do you hear me? And just say, you know what, God, I could ask for two million or three million or ten million dollars right now, but I'll probably get you know, I'll probably use it up within two weeks and be stupid about it and get myself in more trouble. So let's not go there right now. I need this and I need this. And I like to have a bit of that. (laughs) Okay? That doesn't require too much wisdom. Can't get in trouble with that much money. Okay? But I I would like to ask for wisdom because the more I grow in wisdom, the more I can grow in you trusting me with more and more finances. That's what 3 John 2 is all about. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as equal to... Your soul prospering. The smarter you get, then the wiser you become. And then the more money you can handle. And in fact, even your health. Why health? Have you ever wondered about that? Because sometimes people are so healthy and so stupid that they rush off and do all the wrong things. Isn't that interesting? There have been times. Now, I'm not saying that God put sickness on me, okay? I'm not saying that. There have been times when I've wanted to rush off to do something and have woken up not feeling so wonderful. And because of that, I've thought to myself, okay, maybe I shouldn't do that. I'm not led by my feelings. Now, there are times, other times I've woken up and I might feel that way and I've, I've got a fire in my heart and God's going, go! This is just an opposition. This is the devil getting in your way. And you fight through those things. Dear God, you fight through those things. But there are sometimes fighting all the time is no good. You need to check who you're fighting. <laughs> okay? If God's standing there going, No, no. And you're saying, Get there behind me, Satan. He's going, I can't. I'm not Satan. It's me, God. <laughs> okay? You need to know that too, man. Do you hear me? And you need to be able to say, Oh, okay, Lord. Maybe I should back off. And then suddenly things pick up. Ta-da. Okay? Now, like I said, you need to know which is which. But you need to be... 
okay with God saying no to some things because he knows what you can manage. Because every good and perfect gift comes from him, not stuff that will damage you. Amen. But then when you do get to a place, can I say this? When God says, I want to give you this, and you go, God, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. That's when you know you're ready for it. Do you hear me? Do you know why? Because then you're going to rely on God. You're not going to rely on your own wisdom. But when you say, oh, yep, I'm ready for that. I know I can manage it. You're not ready. Because now you think you can manage it by yourself. You're not there yet. Okay, little extra wisdom for whatever. Let's move on. All right. Colin G. Cruz says that the Apostle John portrays forgiveness and purification as complete rather than ongoing actions. Now remember all the other things that, you know, uh, that we are having fellowship and all, that, all of that was ongoing. Remember that? In the verses, but this isn't an ongoing thing. This is immediately and complete. So when you ask for forgiveness, it's not like, like okay, we'll start. To clean. Even though, see, that's why some people, they say, I won't do it, I won't do it, I won't do it. The more times you say you won't do something, the more you're thinking about the thing. In a sense. Now there is a power of confession. Where you, you build yourself up against something. I, agree, I understand that. But it shouldn't be forever. There should be a point where you go, Whoa, got the revelation. I won't. And that's it. And then you don't think about it. Do you know? I never think about having a baby. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Somebody said. <laughs> Otherwise we'll have to put you in the loony bin. <laughs> okay. Not that I don't already belong there. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know why it's impossible? Ish, no. <laughs> no, it's impossible. Okay, it's impossible. Because I can't, do you understand? So I won't ever, ever go around saying, I won't have a baby, I won't get pregnant, I won't get pregnant. I need to get this. Do you know why? Because it's not in my thinking. I am not pregnant conscious. Get it? Okay, if you get this, you got this. In the same way, you need to not be sin conscious, whatever that sin is. It needs to depart from your thinking to where you don't even, you literally don't think about it. And so when you're praying or whatever is going on in your life, it's not standing there. Amen? Judging you and controlling what you say. Because, you know, it's a funny thing how those things can stay in your life and they can, they can direct you, you know, to things that you shouldn't be places you shouldn't be going, things you shouldn't be thinking about, or saying. Amen? Okay. In other words, when God forgives, He instantaneously cancels all the debt that sin carries with it. And immediately forgets about that sin altogether. That's Hebrews 8.12, remember. Therefore, when it says that He cleanses us from all unrighteousness, it means that every trace of sin is eradicated from our being, and we are restored back to a place of absolute holy perfection. And that's what allows us to walk in the light as He is in the light. And also what allows us to restore our fellowship with God and with one another. And then He goes on to say, if we say, now here is the last time that the contradiction comes up, all right? And again, this is, this is a claim that Christians are making. And this is again why the Apostle uh, John includes himself in it. When he says, if we say that we have not sinned. Oh Lord, I, I don't need to ask for forgiveness because I haven't sinned. I've never sinned in my life ever. I am so perfect. Look, I look innocent. 
<laughs> we make him a liar. Oh, that's not good. And his word is not in us. Now, this argument is against God himself. Making out God to be a liar. When Numbers 23.19 specifically states that God is not a man that he should lie. So whatever God says is true. Is true. See, God doesn't have an opinion. You know, God sees it and says, oh, if something, you know... If, 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 a, if a drop of black paint falls in a clear liquid and it's no longer clear, he'll say, hmm, the liquid isn't clear. You can argue all you want, but it ain't clear. You can present convincing arguments, but the liquid is still standing there saying, I'm not clear. Do you understand? That's where God comes from. He sees things as they are and he says, this is a problem. We need to agree with that in order to have that taken care of. So, this is where we, we get to the place where if we say we have not sinned, we make him a lie, and then he tells us that now his word is not in us. Now, as Colin G. Cruz says, in verse 8, the author said that the claim to be without sin involved the claimant in self-deception. Remember, we deceive ourselves. Here in verse 10, he adds that the claim to have not sinned involves making God a liar. Now, how does that make God a liar? Because again, in 1 John 4, 10, we saw this before. It says, in, uh, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, which is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Why should He send Jesus if we didn't need it? Do you get it? So, just in Him sending Jesus to die for the whole world, and he, we're going to see that, in uh, the next two verses, in fact, uh, in First John, it tells us that a price had to be paid. So for us to say we, didn't, we don't need it, is to then take away what Jesus did. See how that is a terrible thing? You know, when you realize how much He suffered, how much of a price was paid, to then say, I don't need that. When God says, you actually do. Puts us in a very bad place. In fact, do you know that is the only sin? Listen now very carefully. That is the only sin that sends people to hell. Because all the others are forgivable. Get it? So regardless of what you do. Now remember again. Forgiveness and, and confession of sin. Acknowledgement of sin has to come from the heart. Okay, you don't play games with God. Do you understand? But regardless of what you do, if you, are, if you are honest and sincere, when you ask God to forgive you, you will be forgiven. You will be cleansed. Alright. The Old Testament, Isaiah 53, 6. I, I wanted to give you two scriptures on this. Even it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We, we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, God put all of our sins on him. God didn't stand there and say, Aha, sinner. That's it. I'm going to beat you all day today. Uh, roll over your cat. And, okay, whatever. Okay, no. See, that's how we think. That's what the enemy says that God is doing. But the Bible says something else. The Bible says, no, no, no. All of that was put on Jesus. Even in the Old Testament, it was based on what was going to happen. It was credited to them. 
Isn't that interesting? With us, it's not credit because it's a done deal. That's why we receive it instantaneously. They had to have it on credit. Okay, that's a whole other sermon. I don't want to go there today. Okay. Therefore, in light of all these scriptures, and I'm done, all right? In light of all these scriptures, we understand that the more things people say that contradict God and His Word, whether layman or clergy, layman or clergy, okay, I don't care where it's coming from the pulpit, all right? The more it tells us that His Word is not in them. And additionally, that they are not actually being led by the Spirit because the Spirit, listen, will never lead you contrary to God's Word. There are people preaching sermons today that are against this Word. And they're using the Word to preach it. Isn't it interesting? But I find a lot of people are preaching, using the Word to preach what they believe, not what the Bible says. And can I say this? Every time that happens, there will be a contradiction somewhere. Every single time. It amazes me. I could go through them, but I don't want to do it today because I have run out of time. So, as William MacDonald so well puts all of this, he says, finally, in order to be in fellowship with God, remember it all began with this, we must not deny that we have committed acts of sin. God has stated over and over in His Word that all have sinned. To deny this is to make God a liar. It is a flat contradiction of His Word and a complete denial of the reason the Lord Jesus came to suffer and die. Thus we see that fellowship with God does not, listen, require lives of sinlessness, but rather requires that all our sins should be brought out into His presence, confessed and forsaken. It means that we have to be absolutely honest about our condition, And there should be no hypocrisy or hiding what we really are. And that's what leads us to the next two verses, which we'll pick up next week, where he says, My little children, these things are right to you, so that you may not sin. Amen? This is not a license to sin. Your your sins being forgiven, you being cleansed and purified and all the debt being cancelled, everything is so you don't go and do it again. But if you do it again, you can ask for forgiveness. <laughs> okay? But again, you ask for forgiveness so that you, you know, your, your, your journey is to get to the place where you ask less and less. Amen? Where whatever that thing is in your life is, is losing its hold on your life. And you are becoming stronger. And you become more and more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Because that's what you get reset to every time you ask for forgiveness. So hopefully one day you'll stay there. (laughs) Okay? All right. And so he says, my little children, these things are right to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate. We're going to talk about this next week. With the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Verse 2. And he himself is the propitiation. Remember again, the atoning. Okay? Sacrifice for our sin. And not only ours, but also for the whole world. Amen? This price is paid for everyone. People in the church and outside the church, which is why we witness, which is why we want to bring people in, because they've been forgiven, they just need to receive it. Amen. Alright, let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word.